is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off the middle, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Got it! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Sims under center. Grant the deep back. Turn the hand it off to Anthony. Trying to bounce to the outside. Gets stood up. Breaks a tackle. Fights his way into Gopher territory. The ball comes out. Did Minnesota get it? They think they have the football. No sign yet from the officials. The ball, a big pile up at the Gopher 48-yard line. Minnesota has the ball. Snap back. Kaliak Mana stepping, throwing to the back corner of the pass is caught, but I think out of bounds. Incomplete. Oh, they say touchdown. They put the arms up. Did Jackson, was it Jackson? Did he keep a foot down? It looked to me like he was clearly out of bounds. Back to Jeff. Holding, looking, throwing down the middle of the field. Pass is intercepted. Picked off. The Gophers running it back to the 45 and knocked down to the 47 yard line. Tyler Newman, third interception of the game on Jeff Sims. Of- the snap down, the kick sailing towards the uprights, and the kick is good. And the Gophers score 10 points in the last five minutes, and they walk Nebraska off tonight 13 to 10. That's how it sounded on the Hus- That's how it sounded on the Husker Radio Network. That's how it sounded on the Oscar Radio Network on Thursday. The great Greg Sharp. I'm Matt McMaster. Joined today by Caleb Henry. Caleb, how you doing, man? I'm apparently still teaching you the board. I well, <laughs> literally I had it on and it was going up. Apparently, I I talk softer than I thought I did. It's okay. um, Thursday. <laughs> Nebraska football loses another one possession loss. 13-10, to 14th since 2021. Some would say new era, same Nebraska. Others would say they saw it coming. Others they would probably say they thought it'd be different with the ball up seven with 453 in the fourth quarter. What say you, Caleb Henry? I say it's a bit of the same, but a bit different. There, there, were, there were things that you saw just because of there's a little bit of PTSD and you got late in the game and you're like, don't let that oblique moment happen. Don't let that oblique moment happen. And you got it when you had Anthony Grant fumble, and then you were thinking, okay, give Tristan Alvano a chance. Uh, interception, okay, they're going to kick a field goal. It's over. That's just where you were. But the bit that's different is the defense outside of those last two drives played phenomenal. And they, even without getting pressure on the quarterback early in the game, you started to really get into his face you lost one of your one of your defensive linemen as Ty Robinson got ejected, um, but with the offense's inability to really do anything outside of Jeff Sims, they were still finding a way to move the ball. There were places that I didn't like the play calling because he obviously wasn't seeing and reading the defense. So I, I wish they would have just called some more designed runs when they got down inside the red zone. I think down to like the seven eight yard line. I even tweeted it out. I said just quarterback sneak four times. Yeah, you saw the very first play, offensive play of the Matt Rule era was a four-yard quarterback sneak from the goal line. So for me, it's it's a bit of what we've seen before, where things happen to fall apart, and the, it was the mistakes by Nebraska. But there were also the missed opportunities that 
that were in place because this team felt like it played differently. So, so it's it, to me, it's a bit on both sides of the fence. I think, without a doubt, let, let, let's move. Let's move from the positive to the negative to then what the what what the last five minutes were. So the positive, the defense looks great. The defense looks fast. The defense looks aggressive, especially the secondary. When 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 you hear what they've been talking about, tackling ones on ones, being aggressive. Like, just just consistently working. You see that. You saw what they were talking about in fall camp about this defense into that game. They were aggressive. They were 11 hats of the football. They were one. It is a defense that, frankly, has the potential to be one of the best, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. And that's secondary. And I think there was some question marks with the secondary, especially because uh, Omar Brown was supposed to start, and you hadn't seen him play a lot last year. Miles Farmer, the second leading tackler on the team, transfers to Syracuse just a couple weeks before the season. You didn't know how it was going to be. Isaac Gifford, you know, I've admittedly always been a big fan of Isaac Gifford and how he plays football, but frankly, he was still in a limited role last year, and it seemed like he was going to step up into a massive role this year. All those guys in the secondary stepped up. I still, you know, at times, the D-line... Uh, did struggle like we thought they would with the lack of experience, but then at times they had massive plays. I mean, the defense looks great. The offense. I'm worried, Caleb. Mm-hmm. I am I am really worried, and it, it has nothing to do with necessarily the, the ability of Jeff Sims, but the durability of Jeff Sims. Because at points, it seemed like all they could do was just run it with him. And you cannot survive, and no quarterback can survive an entire season running the ball nineteen times. Well, and some like of those, some did. of those are sacks, but some, they're still hits. But they're still hits. He's still getting, he's still getting mangled, you know. And it's just, yeah. After one game, if he, cool, he's fine. After two, he might be okay. Three, four, but they start piling up. Ask Adrian Martinez, who, frankly, at times, I would even argue that Jeff Sims probably took more damage on average than Martinez did in that one game alone. And if Well, all- Adrian was more elusive. When when he oh, would absolutely. when he would get out, he could make a few guys miss. Jeff Sims, he's quick. He's a big old bodied boy, but he's using that big body to try to run through a few guys. I gotta, like, like he's not trying to, to make a guy. Did you see him slide once? Did no, you see him slide he once? He didn't slide once. I think there was maybe one or two times that he was able to get to the outside and get out of bounds, but I think he got bumped going out of bounds still too. Okay. So that's that's that. My, I, I, I'm worried about the durability, the the lack of wide receivers on the team, and just it seemed like it took forever for some of these guys to get open. It, we've talked about it on the show before. They have some talent there. They have some speed. They truly are lacking a number one wide receiver, especially yeah. after that game. I feel like a lot of people thought that Billy Kemp was going to step into that role because of the seasons he had at Virginia. It wasn't there. I did, I did he? I don't even think he had a catch against Minnesota. No, he got targeted. Once. That was actually the first interception went just over his head. Yeah. And here's the thing: you were also short on your wideouts because you had Isaiah Garcia Castaneda in the first half, and then he ended up getting hurt. Yeah. And we ended up finding out that Marcus Washington he gets a catch in the second half, but he had been non-announced, suspended for the first half for academics from the summer. Yeah. So you went and that was effectively like you had just one guy anyway for the full game. So you're you're already short in that room and then you were 
short because of a decision from the summer and then short in the second half because of an injury. And it sounded like in the post game that Matt Rule, Matt Rule was making it sound like it could potentially be serious. I mean, they're going to need him just because of depth. And, and But also, too, let's make this very clear. You saw Jalen Lloyd. He had an end around that game. You saw Malachi Coleman enter the game. He didn't get a target, but he entered the game. They brought young guys with them. They put them on the field. I think that you could potentially see some of these freshmen get an extended role. I think Rule was probably hoping he could redshirt maybe a couple of these guys. But if we're suffering injuries, if you're suffering injuries on the wide receiver end when you already don't have that much depth, I mean, they might have to play them six, seven, eight games just because they have to. Mm-hmm. Or the full season just because they need to because they, they don't have anyone else. Okay. So then here's, here's a little question for you. Okay. How do you feel about the Heinrich Harburg routes? How do you feel about that? Get your athletes on the field. Okay. Totally agree. Get, get your athletes on the field. Now, here's a... I know we didn't have a great spring, and I know we've seen Chubba Purdy on the, on the field in games. I don't know where Chubba Purdy's head is. I know from last year when we saw him in games, he looked afraid. That's why I have Heinrich Harburg a little bit ahead of him. Sure. And there was a big old or on the depth chart between Harburg and Purdy. And, and they can run the offense that they run with Sims more easily than they can run it with Chubba Purdy. And that was even admitted mm-hmm. by by Rule where he goes, Harburg's more of a runner, Purdy's more of a passer. Yeah. And, and not to say that Purdy can't run, it's just Harburg's more adept at that. Now, when you go in and, and you see that Harburg gets on the field for a couple of different a couple different times and the first time he was on the field he makes a catch he lines up, they called it H back but then the next time he lined up I was like can we just call it a wing back can, can we just call it like what we know that's a wing back that, that's where Heinrich Harburg lined up but he makes the catch he runs for a first down and I don't want him out there making 10 catches a game, it'd be phenomenal if he did, because if he makes 10 catches a game, that feels like you've got an offense that's going well and you're just getting your playmakers the ball. But I like that there are some things the coaching staff said that absolutely didn't come to fruition. Absolutely. This is one of those that the coaching staff did say, and it played out where they said it's a positionless offense, you're going to get playmakers the ball. They couldn't really find Ramir Johnson in space, you couldn't get the ball to, to Billy Kemp, you, you didn't use a whole lot of what you wanted out of your tight ends. But this no. was one spot, putting Heinrich Harburg on the field, getting him the ball, and letting him go to work. I think that's something that they're going to need to... I want to see him get 10 snaps a game. That doesn't mean get him the ball 10 times a game. But if right now your your offense is Jeff Sims and he's healthy, I think you have to utilize your athlete's to the best of their ability to get on the field. There are some other things that that didn't play out, by the way, Matt, in that, hey, Anthony Grant's had some fumbling issues. If you fumble the ball, you can't get on the field. Why the hell did he have the most carries outside of Jeff Sims? So, so yeah. Like, like that, that, that's where I'm at. Why was Anthony Grant getting the most carries outside of Jeff Sims, who sometimes it wasn't even designed runs? So I think... I think Anthony Grant had the most designed carries. He did. He had not. Uh, he had nine carries, and Irvin Irvin Jr. had seven. Real quick, back to the Harburg conversation, yeah. just real quickly. I, I'm all a fan for that. Get your athletes the ball, whatever. I'm a little concerned that Thomas Fedoni can't run those routes, and that Harburg is out there, and he's got. I mean, those are routes that Fedoni should be running. That your your number one tight end should be running. That we've heard nothing but great things about. 
in all honesty. I think he's got to get in game shape. In all, I, like, well, I, I in think all, he, he's sure. got to get healthy. But he's in all get honesty, in game shape. If, if, Harburg's gonna, if Harburg is your best athlete, just make him a make him a tight end. Just, uh, he just, doesn't have the body size to be out there just, that just, much. I don't know. I mean, if he's the guy that you're going to be throwing these routes to, and that you're, I mean, that you're comfortable. Hey, we're in third down. I don't know. Maybe it, it, he can't. I'm not saying he can't play quarterback. I'm not saying that further down the line you can't talk about him playing quarterback, but I think that might be a full discussion that they should have. Maybe we would just turn this guy into a pass catcher because, like we just talked about, they need them. Okay, over to Anthony Grant. Do not tell me. Do not go in front of everyone and say. Gabe Irvin Jr. is clearly the number one guy. He's clearly made himself the number one guy. He 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 looks like it in fall. He's had such a great spring. He's been uh, during during the winter. They called him the All Star, the off season, whatever. And then give him seven carries. Do you know how many? Do you know how many? Do you know how many yards per carry he averaged? Caleb, you want to guess? Do you know? I I know because I've looked at the yards stats. Eight yards a carry. He averaged eight yards a carry. Well, and, and here's the thing. Without the 27-yard run, which is one shy of what Anthony Grant got for the game, yeah. without that 27-yard run, it was almost five yards a carry. And, and Anthony Grant was at three yards a carry. So it's like, and also, too, hey, from the ball, he can't be on my field. Well, shout out to Sam McEwen, who, straight, who asked the question. Who asked the question. I don't think I would have. Sam goes, why, why do you get that moment? Like, like if you had, why do you get that moment? And rule, you know, I was a very mature answer. He goes, "We like that run with Anthony. Anthony had liked that run. He was put into the no, game. No, 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 no. He didn't say we. He said, I don't. Oh. He said, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Sure. We got to that situation. EJ, yeah, running backs coach EJ Barthol liked Grant in the for those runs. And to me, that's hey, head coach." You guys got to have a communication to say that's not the guy. That's not the guy for that, that moment. May, maybe halfway through the first quarter, you're still trying to figure some stuff out. But right now, that's not the guy. That was the turning point of the game, which I wrote in an article. From that point on, it, it just seemed it just seemed like deja vu. It just seemed like it was all coming around, mm-hmm. and it did. Minnesota did what a lot of people thought they were going to do after that fumble to go ahead and win the game. We're going to continue to talk about this in a little bit. We're going to have, you know, Caleb, you're not typically the guy that we have here for Husker Hour. Okay? Yeah. You're not you're not typically the guy that we have on. Our co-host Cole Stukenholtz never misses an episode. He's going to call in in just a little bit. We're going to get him on the horn. We're going to talk to him about the Minnesota versus Nebraska game. And he was there. He was he in was Minneapolis. There. He's currently in a car on his way back to Lincoln. So we're going to talk to him in a little bit. Don't go anywhere here on Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping it rolling here. On a Saturday morning, Matt McMaster joined today by Caleb Henry, but not Hello. always. Not always joined by Caleb Henry. Typically, I'm usually either sleeping or taking my daughter to gymnastics around this time. <laughs> typically joined by Kalian contributor. I guess that's his, still his title. It's been his title. I think we can make him contributor extraordinaire. At contributor this point. extraordinaire, Cole Stukenholt. <laughs> Cole, can you hear us? Oh yeah. Good Saturday morning, gentlemen. How are you? There it is. He said the thing. He said the thing. He did the thing. Mark <laughs> it down, Kenny. Cole, 
I feel like we're not even, this is so weird for me, because I feel like it's not even like an interview. I just, I, I feel this is just the guys are back at it, how it was a year ago, the Husker Hour, before I was the co-host. Cole, how you doing, man? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. We're uh, we're about I don't know somewhere north of Ames. We're in Iowa. That's good. I'm not I'm not driving. Just just riding here in the back. And uh, you know it, it was it was quite the experience. I hadn't been to a road game since Bo Pelini's last game. Met uh, met a guy at the top of the parking garage with Minnesota plates. We're in red. And uh, turns out he had lived in Omaha for about five years. Moved up here and. He's still a Husker fan, and he offered offered us some ribs. Oh, took some ribs on the. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. boy, Tail, une, little unexpected tailgate. Yeah, Minnesota uh, nice. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Minnesota nice. Yeah, very nice. So, so and and enjoyed the time in the seat in the stadium. Some some Gopher fans uh, obviously around us with some Husker fans in there too. Plenty of red, not quite fifty percent, but a strong showing by Nebraska fans, and you know the the experience of the game itself was, was fun. It was interesting. We learned a lot. And uh, I think there's good and bad to take from it, depending on how you want to look at it. It's, it's kind of a Rorschach test at this point. Well, okay, so you're in the stadium, and like Husker fans can find Husker fans. There's enough of you. It's not like at times when, well, when we see like Louisiana Tech come here. Okay, well, there's going to be that pocket of them, but throughout the rest of the stadium, it might be hard to find. Nebraska fans find Nebraska fans at these types of places. So for you and, and everyone that you can see around you, when Nebraska has the ball with five minutes to go in the game, took my question. What is that feeling? What is, what, what is that feeling? Because Nebraska's up 10 to three and has the ball, and you think they're going to milk clock. What are you guys feeling? Cole, you there? Maybe, maybe a sense of dread uh, to a certain extent. Seriously, I will tell you exactly what I told the gopher next to me at about that. Right before that drive started, where Anthony Grant fumbled, he said, "You think they hang on now?" And they—they they look. I don't know if they stink off of them yet. That was what I said, and and it's not to say that they won't eventually coach some of those bad habits out of them, but it, I think it's going to take a little bit more time to to drill it and and to to really have it have it kind of sink in. Uh, to, to the players on this roster. And, and that goes for the guys who just got here as well as the guys who have been here for longer. Um, it, it, was, it wasn't that I, I saw all of that playing out exactly the way it did, but, man, I mean, it wasn't, and it wasn't just the last five either. You can go back to the end of the first half. The false start on the would-be quarterback sneak touchdown and then the throw-up, you know, the jump ball in the end zone where, where you just absolutely can't do it. Uh, and that takes three, if not seven points off the board. And then the false start by Vorkutcher, after he makes that great one-handed catch, that takes maybe a touchdown off the board because they could have gotten in there just four yards out. Instead, they had to settle for a field goal. And then obviously those last two turnovers in the fourth quarter. It, it, was, it was a very encouraging performance from the defense. But, and, and I was listening to you guys earlier. Matt, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, Red alert on the offensive side of the football. Sims <laughs> can only do so much in the run game. Uh, over twelve and a half carries per game. By the way, that was the easiest easiest call of the of, the, of you know in terms of my predictions uh, for this season. They 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 need help, and they they aren't going to get it this season. I don't think. 
uh, especially if IGC is, is out for a significant amount of time. Um, I think the offensive line has a ceiling with the guys they've got, and it's going to take a while for those new guys to develop. Uh, and, and there's just absolutely no separation from the wide receivers or from the tight ends. Maybe they gave Gabe Irvin some more carries uh, in, in future games. Maybe Anthony Grant figures out that fumbling issue. And maybe Jeff Sims is, is made of adamantium and he can stay healthy. But outside of any of those things happening or, or one of the freshman receivers just stepping into a role and, and taking it and, and really making a big splash, I don't know how they're going to improve much offensively against other staff. We'll see plenty this season. So you lose the turnover battle. You lose the penalty battle. Typically when you lose those two things in a game, um, you're not going to win. All that to say, Minnesota still is a very well-coached program, still a good team. I mean, they are going to they're – they're at the point of the P.J. Fleck era, frankly, Cole, that I think that beside themselves they're going to win seven, eight games, maybe nine games a year if they got a good group. And it seemed like at the post-game press conference, Rule was still very encouraged – by his group. He even said, look, we did all that stuff and we still had to get beaten by a walk-off field goal. Let me ask you this. If this team is going to make, now that you, because there's no more, there's no more question marks. I mean, there still are question marks, but the question marks are not nearly as big as what they were before Thursday. We have some answers. We finally, finally have some answer, answers in terms of what this team looks like instead of just guessing all the time like we did for eight months. If this team is going to make bowl eligibility, how do you see it playing out? What type of team do you think, now that you have some answers, Cole, what type of team do they have to be in order to win six games, which, by the way, their path gets a heck of a lot harder by not winning this one? The path is to play a lot of those types of games. Again, you're going to have to lean on the defense. You're going to have to play complementary football and offense and, and grind a lot of clock and, and run a lot of run plays and, and hope that you don't turn it over. And, and frankly, you're going to have to call a game that plays more to Jeff Sims' strength so that turnovers are less likely. If you set him up for success, you can't set him up for failure. Um, maybe that's more shots down the field. We only really saw that one to Tommy Hill outside of the trick play. Um, maybe you get a little bit more from Jalen Lloyd or Malachi Coleman, those guys that are really fast, and, and you send them on some go routes and, and you try to open up the offense a little bit. And maybe that does give you a little bit of opening for Billy Kemp underneath or Thomas Fedoni or Nate Borkircher underneath, and, and you can finally target those guys, which they, they barely did at all uh, in, in Thursday's game. Offensively, they're going to have to play pretty conservatively, and they're really, really going to have to lean hard on the defense. And, and frankly, that was the most encouraging part. Uh, if, if you're looking for, for positives to come out of that game, I mean, I was flat out wrong about the defensive line. Uh, I had big, big concerns going into this season for the, about the D line. Ty Robinson, really the only guy with any, any, any tangible contributions coming into this season. And Nash Huntmacher, I believe played the most snaps on the D line. Blaze Gunnerson looked like a dude. And even when Ty Robinson left the field from targeting, uh, you saw some pressure from P. Will. Cam Lennart started mm-hmm. yeah. the opener as a true freshman. So they've got a couple of really, really, uh, really good players as, as true freshmen from what I saw in Cam Lennart and French Will. And Blaze Gunderson and Nash Upmacher did their jobs as well. 
the D line was was really really impressive to me, and that was coming from a place of of really big concern. Uh, and linebacker, if you get Hendricks back, that's going to be strengthened as well. And the secondary confirmed to me as the strength of the team. Omar Brown in his hometown played very well. Malcolm Hardzog was targeted a lot. Uh, one more of his more than his fair share. Uh, and Minnesota's big pass plays really came with above average time to throw. If there's one concern I have about the D line or the defense in general, it's they had to they had to turn up the blitz. They had to bring extra yeah. guys to get that pressure. They weren't getting it early until they really added more guys uh, and put them in the box. And and then you really started to see how that three three five can confuse an offensive line and a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we saw that a lot of times that when they were getting pressure, they had to send six guys, and they had to send John Bullock up the middle in order to do it. And, and here's the thing, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That, that's actually what I want out of this, this defense, and that was something that we had talked about on the tailgate, is that I want this defense, when you're looking at the three three five, to, you're going to have to at some point, Live with a lot of one-on-one. Sure. And yeah, that's what gave up the touchdown. Part of that is because a guy made a bad read. Let that guy go inside. Don't get beat outside. Mm -hmm. That was the one Mm -hmm. place you could get beat. Mm -hmm. I want this defense to live with a lot of one-on-ones and get pressure in places and make guys make decisions. Instead of, Cole, like you said, above average, I would have said that was elite time for (laughs) for the quarterback back there to just sit for five seconds, knit himself a scarf, and then get the ball out. Hey Cole, real quick, we got a we got about about a minute left with you here, so I gotta ask you, Colorado playing today. Give me your quick little outlook on the game. How do you feel about next week, Colorado versus Nebraska in Boulder? Yeah, Colorado is is still going to, I think, be uh, an enigma until we see how they do today against TCU. Uh, they have some talented guys, yes, but. It's it's an interesting science experiment that Dion's got going on over there in Boulder. So we'll see how they play today against the team that was in the college football playoff final last year. I do like Nebraska's chances, if for nothing else, that that defense will travel. Offensively, they're going to have to just they're just going to have to pound away at teams, and that's going to include next week against Colorado. The, Nebraska's got to win low scoring games. Uh, they, they may hit some big plays eventually. Uh, maybe they'll hit some big runs. I, I just, short of big plays where they can just get a huge chunk of yardage, it's going to be tough for them to string drives together as inconsistent as that pass game is going to look. And I'll leave you with one thing. I was I was impressed with Matt Rule postgame in, in this particular quote. Uh, he's, he's very focused on certain things, and, and this is what he said. I'm not thinking about anything that happened before I got here. It has nothing to do with me. I don't want our players to think about that. I'm thinking about what's next. I'm thinking about getting back and watching this tape tomorrow. I'm thinking about next week, end quote. How much of the Nebraska coverage that we, have we seen in the last 36 hours that was centered around, oh, hey, look at this, another Nebraska close loss, X amount of close losses, 20 of their last 24 one possession games they've lost, all this stuff on you know, 2022, 2021, and, and further back. He's very smart to do this because you can't lose these players to more of that same mentality. And and that's what is hopefully going to change with this team going forward is, is Matt Rule just harping on that over and over and over again. Well, at this point, that's all you can do and hope uh, that that changes. That was Cole Stukenholtz. Great as always. Coming up, we're going to talk about Volleyball Day in Nebraska. By far the biggest event that happened in Husker Athletics. 
over the week, and we're going to have a very, very special guest on in just a second. Aaron Sorensen is going to join us. So we'll be back in a second. Talk about Volleyball Day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping it rolling along here on a Saturday morning, the Husker Hour. I'm Matt McMaster, joined by Caleb Henry. It was a big week of Husker athletics, uh, and a world record event happened on Wednesday, Volleyball Day in Nebraska. Volleyball Day in America, America. as as Matt Rule would say. And to recap it with us is a very special guest, Aaron Sorensen, Writer and editor for the Counter Read and an Emmy Award winner, maybe the first Emmy Award winner we've had on the show. We, we don't get those on Husker. We don't. Hour. We we're, don't we're down we, the list for the Emmys. We typically we typically don't have that much pull, so we're very excited to uh, have Aaron on. Aaron, how you doing? I'm good. I actually had to debut the Emmy. I unboxed it on the field of Memorial Stadium and oh. made sure to like give it its proper um, debut with Volleyball Day in Nebraska, kind of the setup behind it. So. Um, I had to, I had to do it and everyone was watching. Finally, someone like came over and was like, no, you should be doing this. This is exactly how this should be going. Absolutely. <laughs> so I appreciated that. Well, and, and, and that, that Emmy, that, that wasn't just for, just for anything. That was for your work on a production with Title IX, 50 years in the making, which was phenomenal, by the way, to, to watch Thank and you. see all, everything that had gone into that. But for, for you to unbox that in the stadium, on the day that that's Baller. going to be ninety two thousand in Baller. attendance, break a world record. The the age significantly got younger and more female <laughs> in that stadium than it would be on a normal Saturday. Yeah, it just felt fitting. It felt like I needed to. Um, I don't know. Just for me, what that show, that Title Nine show, meant. It was just such an incredible thing that they let me be a part of. Um, to I, I don't know. I just the experience of that whole production and putting it together. So like to bring it into an environment where it was like this is going to be history. I was like it just was like good synergy all around. I'm like this thing has been blessed by the volleyball gods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, which we saw by the way in the drone show after the after the match. Right. Anyway, uh, they made their right. appearance. Aaron, I'll okay. So this is one that that I've had maybe tr- I don't know if trouble's the right word, but over the course of this week. And well, for the last three years now, I have noticed that since I became a dad or knew I was going to be a dad, I get emotional so much easier than I did when I was a manly man, non-girl dad. This week, and especially seeing John Cook get emotional, seeing all the people that have been impacted by what this match means get emotional. Those that, yeah, for 50 years were trying to get 
a hundred people to show up for a match, let alone sell out the Coliseum and the Devaney Center and Memorial Stadium. But also, I'm a guy. So many of those things for me, we filled up high school gyms simply because we were the boys' basketball team or the football team. For you, in in your experience and in watching things through through women's eyes, what did Saturday mean emotionally for just everybody involved, but but especially women? Yeah, I just want to point out that I'm glad that you said Saturday because Wednesday felt like a Saturday, and I am so off. This week. Oh my, oh my, I, this feels no, like you're, a Tuesday. Like, trust me, <laughs> we've all been doing this all week. Like it, nothing makes sense at this point. Um, I, I'll tell a really quick story that I remember when Wonder Woman came out. That the first Wonder Woman came out, I cried at the end of it, and people thought that was so goofy. They're like, "Why are you crying? Why do you care about this?" And I'm like. Because I grew up and like, I didn't see superheroes that looked like me. And so the way that things like the way that a movie like Black Panther means to um, means to people in an audience or the way Wonder Woman means to people in an audience, when you show people who are not um, often represented in a big screen or on a big stage in a big setting and shows that like one, they break box office records or two, they sell out stadiums. It's kind of this, well, duh, like it, it's the, if you build it, they will come. Like the interest has been there. People want to show up and support, but oftentimes you're met with this. Oh, no one cares. No one cares. You're being, you're being over emotional. You're not caring. Like it's just, it's so easy to write off people's feelings when they express the how much it means to be just represented in a space and so i think what volleyball day in nebraska did on a level that like i was very emotional about is i saw a couple of people who said you know there are now little girls that are grow, going to grow up in a world where this is not even going to phase them they're not going to get emotional like i did because it's just, well, yeah, of course, 92,000 people show up for a volleyball team or what, however many are going to show up for Caitlin Clark in the Iowa basketball mm-hmm. team in a football. You, you keep having these moments that feel groundbreaking for, you know, someone like me or um, generations older. But like for these little girls, they're growing up in a world where their dreams are getting bigger and bigger and bigger because none of this feels not in, I don't mean this in a negative way. It's just it doesn't feel inherently special because they're now seeing it more and more. And so it's the March Madness, um, making sure that the women's tournament ha- carries the same name, has the same um, attention brought to it. And people will sit there and scream about, oh, the finances, this and this and this. But if you never invest in something, you'll never know what will come from it. So to go back to that Wonder Woman thing, why does Wonder Woman have a sequel? Because it was massively successful. So it's like, now you've got Captain Marvel. You keep having all of these female-led superhero movies because of the success. You just had to have somebody rip off the Band-Aid and trust in the one, and it's you see that success come. So I think, you know, I don't think volleyball is going to be played in a football stadium every single year, but I wouldn't be surprised if you don't start seeing it move into Pinnacle Bank Arena more often, or maybe they move it into spaces where just more people can see it because the interest is there, and when it is, you want to make sure that it's obtainable and representative for those that are looking at this now going, this isn't special. This is what it is. What I heard was Volleyball Day in America, 2028 Nebraska Texas Memorial Stadium. Oh wow! Could you imagine? Or they they might, might, or if you if you really want, fine. Put Nebraska on the road. Put it in the Cotton Bowl. 
I was going to say, could you imagine in uh, the Cowboys stadium? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, although I guess like most NFL stadiums are smaller in a way than mm-hmm. uh, college, but yeah. they're just like massive buildings. Yeah. They, they would they would have to they would have to add more seats to Memorial Stadium if you did in Nebraska. Texas. We got five years. Yeah, we, we got five that's, years. That's Trev's big project. Hey, hey, why you got to raise the capacity, Trev, for football? No, 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 no. Volleyball Day in America yeah. Part mm-hmm. Two. Uh, that was, by the way, Aaron. That was so beautiful. That was a great analogy too with the super, you know, women superhero movies and how more of them have happened. And now we're gonna hopefully see, and we're already gonna see in Kinnick Stadium with the Iowa basketball team more of these massive. Events now. You kept saying a, a phrase: "If you build it, they will come." Mm-hmm. And one guy built it, or John Cook built it, and he had a lot of help. Well, so it as, wasn't they just said, him. as they said in the hype video, it, what was it? Terry Pettit built it. John Cook perfected it. Perfect I'm trying to remember um, all the hype videos. There were like a thousand. They were hype so videos. good, by the way. I, I'm a I'm a sucker for a great hype video, and that was incredible. But you're absolutely right. John Cook, in part with a lot of other people around him, helped build this program. In terms of accomplishments, because he arguably is the greatest volleyball coach of all time, okay? And if he added another NCAA championship, probably not even arguable anymore. But in terms of his accomplishments, Aaron, where do you think this ranks? Oh, I mean, I think a lot of... The one thing I really appreciate about John Cook is that he's really tempered (laughs) most of the time where he can kind of really balance what things mean. And I think if you were to ask him, he'd probably have a soft spot for every national title. There's there's a meaningful moment behind each of them or something that he would remember about those moments. But the thing that always stands out to me is he'll also remember like these little moments that happen in matches that the rest of us just kind of fly by and don't really like hone in on. But it's special for him because something happened or someone came back or someone was honored and those things are really special to him or like when he has a former player coming back to play against his team, like he takes these and absorbs them. But I do think this is probably the top of the top for him. When I think about when he looks back on his career, um, I just watching him and watching his face and hearing that interview he had post game where he's just holding back tears and finally just lets it go. I, every time I watch that start to tear up because Mm -hmm. I can see how much this means to him because he has been a champion for women's volleyball for so long and to see it now on a stage. And in this way, I think he had this moment of like, he knew what this program meant to so many, but when you see it in that, when you see it presented in that way, you suddenly like don't know how to almost process, process your emotions and your feelings around it. So I, I saw a video where Lexi Rodriguez turned to him and yes. asked him, like, are you soaking it all in, coach? And he's like, what, what did you say? And she goes, are you soaking it all in? And he couldn't even answer. He just, like, patted her on the back. <laughs> and I think this is something that um, his grandkids are going to hear about for, for decades to come, because, and they should. Yeah. This is an incredible thing that he helped perfect Absolutely. on the backs of all those who also helped build it. John Cook is tempered, except for that split second. He talked about it. Where at the end of the tunnel, he did imagine himself as the Husker football coach right before running onto the field. He he said, you know what? Yeah, I, I did think this is what it's like. And he talked about how he hopes Matt that because you'll see it in a couple of weeks, Matt Rule will get that experience for the first time. It technically won't be as many people there watching him run out to yeah. the field. Um, but Aaron, from from watching, man, that was that was just a, a, a such a magical day, and then the crowd involvement. At, at all times. And I know it works different for volleyball than it does for football. 
And John Cook said that he hopes there's a level that's been set inside Memorial Stadium when you get to football Saturdays, not Wednesdays. I got to get all my days straight again. But football Saturdays in two weeks. What what are we going to hope that we see besides besides a team that's not zero and two when they come home uh, from from fans in Memorial Stadium that they can take from the experience of this is what we were able to do for volleyball on this very special day. How do we roll any of that? energy into what's already a chaotic day when football comes back? I think the thing that any of us want, so when I talk about like the support of women's sports or the support of men's sports, I think, you know, the way I always frame it is people sometimes when you talk about things will be like, oh, what about the what about is mm-hmm. come out. And it's like, just because we're acting, asking people to actively show up and support women's sports do not mean that we're actively asking them not to support men's right. sports. Like there are enough seats at the table. We don't need to we don't need to like stick our elbows out. We can make a little space and pull up a chair. So when I think of what we can do as like, if you are a fan and you're thinking about like how you want to approach Memorial stadium in two weeks, you know, the biggest thing is, is like, can you imagine what that same level of support would mean to anybody who's walking out of that field? And now volleyball is going to hold the record in that stadium for quite some time. They broke the stadium record, which was set in 2014 by Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, cause I was listening a little bit to your segment prior. I would hope that people don't view this too much yet as just, this is the same old, same old, because this is a new coach. I, I have said this previously, at the end of the Northwestern game in 2022, I made a comment that upset some people, but I said, Nebraska has shown us who it is. It's time to start believing that this is who this team is. Mm -hmm. I really felt that at the time. And I got like people who were like, you're such a hater. I just felt like, unfortunately, five years in, we we were being, we knew what we were being shown. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I don't feel that way coming off of this game in Minnesota. I don't think that this 2023 season is necessarily going to be easy. Matt Rule has a lot of things that he has to not only sort out from the talent and the play level, but also just the like mental level with this. This is a team that does not know how to win. It has not been to a bowl game since 2016. Oh, no. <laughs> this is a team that just from a mental perspective has a lot to sort out. That is a big task for any coach and one that Matt Rule is now trying to figure out. But this is also a person who says things like you were talking about, I don't, I don't want people to worry about the past. Also, I don't want them to worry about this quarter. When people look at him and go, we're losing. Great. Worry about the next quarter. Like he's got that right. He's got that perspective, right? So I feel hopeful about the direction that things will go. Um, It may not be great, but I think if you're a Nebraska fan and you're like, I, I just get excited. There's something special about Memorial Stadium and showing up and being a part of the tunnel walk. And can you imagine the way that Matt Rule and this team will feel on that first home game? That might be a little bit of that extra momentum and mental piece that they need, at least to get over a certain hump. So fans have a big piece of it. There's a reason schools talk about having the 12th man or having that seventh member on the court or whatever. You have the potential to be a, like a game changer in a lot of ways. And so I think for fans who are like, it's not the same. Well, yeah, it's not a volleyball game in a football stadium, but it's still pretty exciting. <laughs> well, Aaron, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this because we don't want folks to think because you came on to talk about this massive volleyball day that, that you only talk about volleyball. Obviously, you, you've covered a lot of Huskers for a long time and very, very well written. And, and as a matter of fact, you've got a new project, and I'm glad you're, you're pursuing this because I love the long form that, that you've put out over the years. Just tell us about Counter Read. Yep. Yeah, so Brandon Vogel and I, um, we decided to launch Counter Read. It's not even a week old yet. Just launched <laughs> on Monday, but the 
belief system is that we're going to tell Nebraska sports stories well. That's really it. And so uh, we have a lot of exciting things to come. But even this week, I had an opportunity to talk to Trev Alberts about the potential of grass returning to Memorial Stadium, what that would look like. And so I think a lot of times people have questions and I like to answer those questions. And so whether that's interviewing the right person or diving into some data, like we're going to touch on all those points and we're going to do it in a more traditional sense, which is the long form writing. But, you know, I'm also a new media person, too. So you might see some YouTube videos and different things as well, because you got to meet people where they are. Give us yeah. the TikToks, Aaron. That, that's where ah, the, KLI, the that's where the KLIN audience lives. Yes. Look, <laughs> that and Facebook I, made one, I made one of like me reacting to a Merit Beeson block and that got a lot of attention as it should because she's incredible. So that's the goal is just to really highlight Nebraska athletics, whether it's players, coaches, the events and really highlight them in a way that like people get a really good story or questions answered. So I'm really excited for what it will mean and um, just continuing to touch on all the great stuff that Nebraska athletics has going on and will have going on. <laughs> well, that was awesome. Incredible interview. Uh, by the way, I, I congrats on the Emmy, but you got to put it in the backdrop. I mean, you're here. I, I mean, you got to find a place for it. I mean, it's I was on really... the mantle right now. Okay. but I do think I'm going to have to update my setting. You got to figure me. it like... out. <laughs> if you if you got it, show it. Right. I mean, you right. got you know. But uh, I no. have to figure this chair out. This is my husband's like desk chair. It is too big. It's blocking all the background. You got to figure this out. <laughs> well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on in a, in a beautiful soliloquy. As well, we look forward to. I know this was your first time, right, on the Husker Hour. We we yeah. ho- hopefully we'll get you on a couple more times uh, as the seasons go on. Uh, we will be right back. We're going to keep going with volleyball day because you know what? They're playing on Sunday. They're playing Kansas State road game. Road game. Alrighty, we'll be back in just a second. Democracy 24. Educating America's children was a hot issue at the first GOP primary debate on Fox News. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is known for his anti-woke policies. We need education in this country, not indoctrination in this country. Political newcomer Vivek Ramaswamy took aim at the education bureaucracy. Let's shut down the head of the snake, the Department of Education. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum noted not all schools are failing. Every school district say that every teacher is somehow indoctrinating people is just false. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott wants to take on organized labor. The only way we change education in this nation is to break the backs of the teachers unions. While Nikki Haley took on transgender policy in some school districts. Strong girls become strong women. Strong women become strong leaders. And biological boys don't belong in the locker rooms of any of our Mike Emanuel, Fox News. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping it moving here on 99.3 KLIN. And 1400. And 1400. Traditionally. The, traditionally. <laughs> uh, the voice of Lincoln. I'm Matt McMaster, joined by Caleb Henry. If you're joining us right now, uh, you missed a Cole Stukenholtz interview. You, you missed a uh, Aaron Sorensen interview. If you want to check that out, don't fear. You can go uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Broadcast House. This will be in podcast form uh, at the end of the hour, so you can check out there. Also on Husker Max as well, if you want to read a couple things uh, on Husker Max, written by yours truly and Caleb. We've had plenty of content over there in the last couple of days. Uh, Caleb, real quick, 
before we get, because we still have a lot to, you know what, I've always said this would be great if it was Husker Hours, not just Husker Hour, because yeah. there's so much that goes on in Nebraska athletics and so little time to cover it. But before we get into all that, it's a very special day in the McMaster mm-hmm, household. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. McMaster's, my mother's birthday is today, September 2nd. Traditionally, uh, you know, the the... The biggest holiday of the year behind July 4th, which is my father's birthday. So I don't know if she's listening or watching right now. Happy 39th birthday, happy Mama 30, McMaster. Happy 39th birthday, Mama McMaster, uh, the greatest mother in the world. Uh, I was very lucky that she married the greatest father in the world as well. So happy birthday. I'm so, you know, the whole family, whole family in town in Chicago. I am the only one absent. So I think also, too, she probably had a sliver of doubt that I would remember. Um, but I, how could I forget? <laughs> But so. but you said it on the air, and you let folks in Lincoln and in Nebraska know about Mama McMaster's birthday. Uh, real quick, wrap up. Just kind of thoughts on sure. on volleyball well, day. I, in I Nebraska. had a transition. I was going to say talk about talk about things I'll never forget. Volleyball day in Nebraska on Wednesday definitely was one of them. Mm-hmm. There you go. So you and I were in very different places. We were. We I, were. You give me your perspective. So, and I'll give you mine. So I was. If you look down and they showed any shots where like the BTN crew was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was back into the left, like okay. literally media row. I'm right there. Anytime they would go up, any of the players would go up to to block or spike, jump at all. I can see underneath their feet. Like yeah. you, the the perspective when you're in an arena or you're watching on TV of going, "Oh yeah, that looked like they jumped up pretty high." But when you are just above eye level with the platform and you see them take off, you're like, "Holy frick, that's athletic." Yeah. Like like it, it's so hard to put into perspective how athletic volleyball players are sure. in general, but when you get into that environment and you see them jump, and you're like, I can see underneath Harper Murray's feet. Yeah. And oh my God, that's the 600 level of Memorial Stadium in the backdrop. It, it was an insane day. I, I was so happy to be a part of it. My my only regret is that how young my daughter is. Sure. And, and in a way that she, guys, she's a flight risk. <laughs> I, called, <laughs> I, I took her to I took her to the first volleyball match. Um, not yesterday, but the Friday before uh, against Utah State, and we made it like a set. Sure, but I was so happy to have her there. Have her. She's clapping along, saying "Go big red." She's waving to little red. She got a volleyball. Extremely grateful for the uh, the gentleman to our left who caught it from Andy Jackson and handed it to oh, Millie. She has so not nice. stopped playing with this. She wanted that's to so take cute. it to bed with her, but like I got her in that environment, and there was no way we could take her to Memorial Stadium without her needing to run around. Sure. Um, so like it just wasn't. That's literally my only regret for that day on how like how special it was for. Everybody. Everyone involved. I know what it means um, for women. Like I told Oren, or what I told Aaron. Like I'm a guy. I'm trying to wrap my head around what it means to people who didn't get these opportunities, sure. even at the same level that I got going through high school and in collegiate athletics. I just wish my daughter could have been there, been five years older. Sure. Now I don't want her to all of a sudden overnight be five years older. I will cry, but I wish I could have had her in that environment to witness that. But like Aaron said, she will grow up in a world. Where now that's not a thing going, oh, can they do that? No, they did that. Well, look, for me, it was uh, by far the best experience I've ever had as a student at the University of Nebraska, uh, in part because I am a student broadcast worker, so I've never really experienced a <laughs> football tailgate. Uh, you know, I've actually only ever been to one, and I have lost a whole season to 2020 mm-hmm. as well. So I've only really experienced like one true, hey, this is a Nebraska athletic event, and man, was it incredible. 
Uh, everyone treated it like it was the biggest deal from students to the people that we were tailgating next to, that we were talking to about the game. Everyone was just wearing. I saw so many different um, uh, volleyball player shirts I've never seen. I saw a Becca Alex shirt. I saw a Lindsey Krause shirt. I saw an Andy Jackson shirt. It was, all, it was just an incredible atmosphere. Now, in all honesty, I didn't really see the court. Um, <laughs> if I had to make, look, if we're going to do this again in four or five years. My only recommendation to the wonderful people who built the court and got all of it ready was just make it like maybe six feet higher, you know, just make it a little bit higher. Oh, man, it was you a, make it higher. Nobody can be up near it, though. It was it was so. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but like it was it was really difficult to see. Now, I was lucky enough as the sets went on. I was kind of able to sliver my way. And the moments of which I did see them playing and not looking at the screen, which were a couple. It's not like I was blind the entire time. I'll never forget. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I mean, they looked so athletic. They they are so athletic, but it was incredible to see it in that setting. And you know, when you're watching it, and, and this is such a great point by you, um, when you're watching in a stadium and you're kind of sunken down on everything and you're looking down on them, you don't really get the appreciation of how they actually look and how they are actually yeah. playing. When you are beneath them and you're looking <laughs> up at them and you're like, oh my god, like. I did, I did not realize that like they move like that and they and they like are are just jump but you know what I'm saying it's just Well a to, to borrow something from from Aaron these women are literal superheroes they in action are. and they you, are. you're able to appreciate it when you're at that level. And so look I think that uh, and we got to move a little bit in a second but definitely not every year but they should do it again without a doubt. And it shouldn't even be about breaking a record or holding the record or it's not even record it's records anymore you do it because you want to get people there to watch the women you do it because it's an appreciation of just the incredible program that has been built there and frankly it is difficult for people to go to husker volleyball games i mean those Mm -hmm. things sell out and season tickets and whatnot all right uh college football saturday today first week of the season week zero last week now week one everyone's Mm -hmm. team is in action one game that you're watching today caleb henry well, it's got to be Colorado TCU, doesn't it? It does. Like, like that's, that's why I ask it. Uh, I mean, as if Fox didn't let us know enough times that... That, that was so annoying. ...that Deion Sanders has got the biggest season opener in the history of college football. Stupid and dumb, but hey, you're yeah, a media man. outlet. Hey, we, we do it with some stuff here. Milk it if you got it, baby. Yeah, so it. so it's got to be TCU, Colorado, because one, you want to see what, what TCU has coming back after a national runner-up performance last year. What does the fully flipped roster look like for Colorado? And then obviously for us here, you're seeing Colorado play Nebraska next week. So we want to see what, what they're potentially up against. That said, man, give me TCU like by 30. So like not even close baby. I remember talking to a lot of people just in and around Lincoln. Hey, what do you what do you think about what what do you think's going to happen? I go, "You know what? I really don't know. I really <laughs> don't know what it's what Nebraska's going to look like. I don't know what the especially the offense. I don't know what the offense is going to look like. I I feel that way 10 times over with Colorado. I have no clue. I do know they won't be great. I have a real I'm really confident they won't be good. But I, I am excited to see them play today. A couple of things. Give it to me. One last thing. I've never needed a team to go 0 and 12 like I need Colorado to go this year. Sure. Uh, Nebraska soccer, women's soccer, 4 0 and 1 this year. Just hammered Missouri 5 0 on Thursday. They've got Kansas State this weekend. Talk about supporting some women's athletics. Absolutely. Husker soccer rolling right now. Rolling right now. I've actually been following their season with the little sport reports that we got. Just kind of, they've been 
killing it, along with Husker Volleyball, also playing Kansas State this weekend. You can listen to that on our sister station, B107.3, on Sunday. Hey, it was a big week last week. I don't know if we'll have bigger weeks this year, but Colorado, Nebraska, a lot of things going to go on. This was the Husker Hour. We'll see you next week.